0: Everybody, to the very first episode of Xena Cast, the Xena Warrior Princess podcast. My name is Amy Boatman, and I'm going to be your tour guide as we journey through the seasons of Xena. That song you heard there at the opening is called If I Could Be Like Xena. It's by Marilyn Rucker. She's uh, from Austin, Texas, as am I, and she's got some great music. Her website is www.marilynrucker.com. You really have to go check her stuff out. She's really great. And if you'll stick around for the end of the podcast, I'm going to play that entire song and it's it's really worth listening to cuz it's a really fun song. I'm very excited to finally get this podcast off the ground. I've been wanting to do this for a long time, but I've just now gotten things, you know, to where I could. So, uh, I've been a big fan of Xena since the show started. I've been watching um I had my I had my VCR set every single week when it would come on and If anybody messed with the television and I didn't get my Xena episode, I would just freak out. So it's always been something that I've been a big fan of. I really enjoy podcasts, and so I thought, what a better way to enter the podcasting community than by my love of Xena. So, you know, a lot of the good things that have happened to me in my life have been because I've been a Xena fan. You know, meeting other people who are also fans and then, you know, having that lead from one thing to another. You know, a little ripple effect and and so it's 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 done good things in my life. Being a fan, I actually got the idea uh, for the format of this podcast from the guys over at the Buffy Buffcast. I'll have a link to that on the website as well. If you're a Buffy fan at all, then you have to check out the Buffcast. It's it's a lot of fun. They have uh, an ep- uh, one podcast for each episode of Z- of ah, Buffy. Although they've gotten to be where they're pretty wordy, so they've been breaking it up into segments. So. And so when I sat down and decided that I wanted to do this podcast, at first I was very ambitious and I thought, well, I'll do one whole season of Xena in one podcast. And then I realized, okay, that might be five hours. And who wants to sit and listen to me talk for five hours in a row? So what I've decided to do, Xena, uh, the first season is 24 episodes. So what I'm going to do is do four episodes in this first podcast. And then um, we'll probably have six podcasts for the whole season. That way I kind of break it down and... We don't get overloaded in too much, Zena, although I don't really know if that's possible. I'm kind of nervous because this is my first podcast, so if I make any huge blunders, everybody please just bear with me. I know that I'll get better as time goes by. I tend to move around a lot when I talk, so if you get a little, I'll try to fix that in the mic. If you have any feedback for me, I'm always open for uh, constructive criticism. If all you want to do is complain, I don't really care, but hear that. But if you have some constructive criticism, that would be great. Or you know, if you want to tell me how much you love the show, that'd be great too. Like I said, it's Xenacast.com. dot com. Let's get to it. Zena um, actually debuted in September of nineteen ninety five. Uh, as far as I know, it was one of the first uh, action shows that uh, had women at its center. And it was such a great show, and I, I just bless Robert Tapert for uh, for putting it on the air and for having the vision to do this, and 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 Sam Raimi and a whole bunch. Because it was a risk, I'm sure, and um, it was just such a great show. It was a spinoff from Hercules. Zena had a three-season arc on Hercules, where he meets her, and she's this badass warrior, and he, he helps turn her to the straight and narrow path. To be totally honest, I think I've seen those three episodes once each, so I'm not quite that familiar. I was never a big Hercules fan, so... I didn't really ever watch that much Hercules. I picked up Xena, of course, from the beginning of Xena. So a one caveat here, there will be spoilers in this podcast, in all my podcasts, there will be spoilers. So if you haven't seen Xena, you might want to go ahead and watch it first, because I am going to talk about things that might relate to other seasons and such. So. so you have been warned, there will be spoilers. Episode number one was called Sins of the Past. It debuted on September 4th, 1995. It was written by the man himself, Robert Tapert. It was directed by Doug Leffler. This was our first introduction to uh to the Xena world uh, for those of us, you know, that hadn't seen Hercules before and you know, it opens up with Xena riding in on her horse and uh she's looking kind of upset and you know, the sad music is playing and she's obviously upset about something and she goes into this burned out village and sees this little boy who tells her that Zena killed his parents, and, of course, he doesn't know that she's Zena. but she goes off into the woods, and she buries her armor and her sword and her chakram, and it's like she's going to, you know, bury who she is, and then there's this fighting that she hears, and it comes into the clearing, and there's this group of men that's trying to take these women, and I'm assuming taking them off to be slaves. This was the first time that we meet Gabrielle. Uh, she kind of steps in front of everybody else and says, no, take me, not them, one thing leads to another, Zena saves the women, and they go back to Potadilla, which is where Gabrielle's from, and they tell her that, she, you, you must go, you can't stay here, and Gabrielle begs her to take her with her, but she says, no, absolutely not, no way. Of course, Geb's not going to listen to that, so Gabrielle ends up sneaking out in the middle of the night following her. Zena goes to Draco, who is the warlord that was attacking this village, and asks not asks him not to attack this village and Draco grudgingly agrees but then he decides to go attack Amphipolis, which is where Xena's from. So they uh, both end up going to Amphibolus. Um Xena is not greeted warmly by her, the villagers or her mother. Draco ends up coming into town and they have this big fight on top of people's heads which is hilarious and Xena of course wins and defeats Draco and saves the day and as much as she thinks that she wants to settle back in at home, she realizes that she can't because the villagers and her mother will just never be able to forget who she is and what she did, so she can't. So Gabrielle ends up going with her, and they ride off into the sunset. So the brief synopsis of the episode. The thing I liked at the beginning was just kind of how they made the whole thing. You, you don't really know the history of Zena yet, and yet you know that something bad has happened or that she's done bad things. And then you go into the burnout village, and there's this little boy, and... You have to wonder, how long has this little boy been wandering around this burnout village without any grown-ups? That just seems sorta of odd to me, but oh well. And you know, at first, Zena wasn't gonna give him her food until he found out that she was the one responsible for the death of his parents, and then she did. So I think that kinda of brought her guilt into play. When she goes into the clearing to bury her armor and chakram and sword, uh, that's you know, very symbolic of her you know shedding her old self and trying to bury her past and and not be that person anymore but you know I, underneath all that she's still Xena. she's still the warrior she's still a fighter that's just who she is and she's not ever going to be able to bury that it's just always going to come i think that really shows when all those people come into the clearing and those women are in trouble well actually it was men too it was the villagers who were in trouble and Zena kind of stood back and watched. She was waiting to see, and then she sees Gabrielle. Gabrielle comes forward, and she's all full of piss and vinegar, as my grandmother used to say. She's going to stand between the villagers and the the, the bad guys. And Zena's still kind of standing back until the the bad guy goes to with his whip, and he's going to whip Gabrielle. And, of course, then Zena has to jump in and say, no, can't do that. And Zena's fighting, and, and, you know, she's just... I don't know. She's just fighting him. But then as soon as she actually un- unburies her sword, and then she gets that gleeful look in her eye and she does that little laugh that she does. And I just love watching Lu- Lucy Lawless at this point and the way she acts. It's just she's just so great because she's got such a I don't know. She's just such a great actress and she's got such a passion for this role. It just really came out even from the first episode. So, you know, they're doing the whole fighting thing and it's like, OK, so instantly the cheese starts because the whole fighting scene is kind of cheesy. And but then the music, the Xena music kicks in and that's just so great. And then her that that call that she does, which I won't even try. So don't worry, I'm not going to do it. Uh, but, you know, that's Xena. That's it. That's what makes Zena, And it's just right there at the very beginning. And she whips that chakra out, and it's just so cool. So Zena saves the day. Of course, she saves the villagers. And they go back to Potidaea, which is where Gabrielle's from. And this is the first time that we meet Gabrielle's parents, Hecuba and Herodotus and her sister Lilla and her betrothed Perticus, who actually in future episodes looks completely different from this guy here. The villagers tell Zena that she has to go. She can't stay. They're all in danger if she stays. And she understands that. I think she still knows that she wherever she goes, trouble follows at this point, so she's okay with having to leave, um, but Gabrielle is not. Gabrielle's oh Please, let her stay. And then, when she realizes that she's not going to get to stay, she she begs Zena to let her go. Well, Zena says no. At this point, I can't imagine that, that Zena even is entertaining the idea of having this annoying little blonde following her around. Meanwhile, those of us in the audience, even from that first episode, knew that Gabrielle was going to follow her. What else could she do? Here she is. She's this, this adventuresome, intelligent, wonderful little girl who's, well, not a little girl, young woman, who is stuck in this life that's boring to her, and she's betrothed to this man that's boring to her. And it just, I can't imagine that, that she can can envision a hell that would be worse than what she's seeing for her life. She sees Zena, and suddenly she has a future, and she's not going to give that up without a fight. So we meet Draco for the first time. Uh, he's having those arrows shot at him. And I don't know. there's something kind of interesting about Draco. He's sort of sexy in that bad boy kind of way. And oh, one more side note. I'm a big fan of the Gabrielle Zena subtext thing. So that's just where I come from. I know there's lots of other fans who have lots of other opinions. And that's just fine. But, you know, it's my podcast. So I'm going to go the way I want to go. But anyway, Draco—I don't know—he's always been, even in future episodes. I like his character. He's—he's he's really cool, and you know he has a heart, but he's really tries not to show it. He's, especially in this one scene where he and where Zina comes into this, the tent and asks him not to attack this village, and he agrees grudgingly, although he really wants Zina in his bed. But he agrees, and they have this little thing where he's, "Oh, if I can have you in my bed, I'll have you at my knife," and whatever. Then he tells Xena that you can't ever go home again. He says that he tried to go home, and his father beat him with a blacksmith's hammer. I think that shows that there's that part of Draco that wanted to go home. There's that part of Draco that wanted to be good and wanted to be more than what he was, but he just couldn't. He went back home, and he got beat, and that was it. So he chose his path. When Xena leaves, he orders his men to to figure out how to attack Amphibolus now he's going to go after Zena's home. I think there's part of him that figures, well, if I can't go home, then you can't either. Gabrielle really sucks at trying to sneak out of the house. It's not even that dark, and she still trips over something that makes just this god-awful amount of noise. I have to wonder if maybe Lila didn't put that there, thinking that Gabrielle was going to sneak out in the middle of the night, and that way she couldn't get past her. Maybe that's what happened. So when Lilla wakes up, Gabrielle tells her, you know, I have to go. This is my chance. I can't stay here. I'll die if I stay here. Lila understands. Lila knows what her sister is like, and she knows that that's the better choice, even though she's afraid for her, because she knows that life with Xena is not going to be easy. One of my favorite characters in this episode is the blind Cyclops. I just love this blind Cyclops. For some reason, he just cracks me up. When Xena comes across the bridge and he attacks her, and then you find out, of course, that Xena was the one that blinded him, you think, okay, no wonder he's so mad at her. And he's just pitiful. He's this gigantic giant, and he he can't even, I don't know, he's pitiful. She knocks his pants down, and it's just funny, and in a sad kind of way, because poor guy. And then when Gabrielle comes across the bridge, and the giant catches her in that cage, Gabrielle is so great. I just love that she can talk her way out of anything. I love her enthusiasm. I love the way she talks to people. So she gets the giant thinking that, that she's some that she she's a, a she's going to get Dina and she's going to kill her, and and she's going to bring him her eyeballs and her arm, and it's just funny because the giant is totally believing her, and Gabrielle is just laying it on thick so she can get get away, and she's just great. So the Cyclops, oh oh, one thing in this this part has one of my favorite lines. It's the Cyclops saying, "I hate chatty food." I just love that. I think that's just so freaking hilarious. And then the other favorite one here is when um, when Gabrielle says, well, Zena's not going to let a man get that close to do her. Uh, at least not that kind of do her. <laughs> I just thought that was great. Gabrielle's my hero. I just think she's so wonderful. Meanwhile, Zena is following Draco's men. They really suck at the whole getting away with stuff because Zena's right there behind them. And they just are completely oblivious. And this is our first view of the pinch the infamous pinch. She uses it on Draco's guy. And I just always thought that was great. You have thirty seconds to live. I don't know. I always thought that was neat. So after putting the pinch on this guy, Zina finds out what Draco's plan is. So now she knows what's gonna be happening. Meanwhile, Gabrielle's still trying to get to Amphipolis, so the next thing you see is her laying across the road. And so this guy, old guy in a in a pulling a wagon, he gets out and he's checking on her and she hops up and I just, just love Gabrielle. She's just so funny. And this guy's not going to give her a ride. But then she's like, Oh, I was trained by a bard that passed through my town. And she starts talking about Oedipus and the old guys, all the tragic of men, the old guys like, Oh, please. I knew Oedipus. And so he goes ahead and lets Gabrielle get in the back of his wagon. I mean, she's just so great at talking her way into and out of things. As Xena rides up to her village, there's those women that are out, uh, out front that are gathering up something, some sort of agricultural product. I don't know what it is. But uh that song they're singing is some kind of traditional I'm thinking it was Hungarian song. I don't quite know, but I think that's what it was. But uh but it's this great song that you hear later on in other episodes and I've always thought that was a really a really great song. When she gets to the village, Cyrene, her mother, who owns the tavern there, is really hostile towards Zina and that's when you kinda of find out a, a little bit more of the history and that Xena had, had gathered up the village boys to go off and attack a warlord who was threatening Amphipolis. And that was the beginning of her army and she got a lot of the local boys killed. So that when she comes back, uh, they're all like, you know, what do you want more more cannon fodder? Basically, of course, there weren't cannons, but anyway, you get the point. And, um, and so they're all really upset that Zena has come back, including her mother, who I can imagine her mother's lost one son and she lost Zena because Zena's basically dead to her and then this other brother other son that we find out about later you know, she's basically lost that one too so i can see that Zena really does really represents a lot of pain for her and that she wouldn't really rejoice in having Zena back in town of course Zena realizes that she's changed but it's hard for people to rewrite that biography that they have of you in their head. You know how when you think of somebody a certain way and you've thought about them that way for a really long time and then they change. But it's really hard to get that change in your head. Uh, so I think that's kind of what was going on here. Zena's changed and, she's, and she knows she's changed, but it's going to be hard convincing the villagers that she's changed because you know, they have to rewrite that whole thing. and So that's going to be a hard thing. Zena knows that their Draco is going to attack Amphipolis, so she's trying to get the villagers to defend themselves, but they won't, and they don't. They don't, I don't know if they don't believe her or what. Uh, I'm not quite clear on that, but they they just think that Zena's just trying to con them out of more of their sons, so they don't believe her. At one point, they even all trap her in the tavern, and they're going to kill her. They're going to kill Zena, and Zena's like taunting them. What are you, afraid? Afraid of one woman? And then she takes out her sword and says, let's make this even. She throws it away. She says, one unarmed woman, go ahead, take your revenge. It's sweet. I think Xena knows how they feel. I think she, she's been in that position and she knows how they feel. It's I think it's interesting that she became the warlord that she so despised uh, before the one that attacked her village. So these people feel like she did. I don't know. It's one of those weird things. Anyway, so Draco's going to attack the village. They end up, Xena and Draco, end up having one of the most interesting fights I've ever seen on television. It's really funny. They're up on the scaffolding where they start out and the terms are that whoever hits the ground first dies. So they're up there on the scaffolding fighting and then they go off into the crowd and they're standing on people's heads and Robert Taper, the uh, actual creator of Xena, he's one of the heads they step on, which I always thought was kind of funny. So they're dueling on top of everybody's heads with the staffs and all that, and Xena knocks Draco off, and he falls, and then she jumps and lands on top of him. And she laughs, her, her wonderful laugh, and, and uh, says, I still haven't touched the ground. So Draco concedes defeat. He knows he's lost, and the, the his his men are not going to kill him. I mean, they're just not. But then when one of his men tries to kill Zena, he whoops at his knife, throws it, and kills that guy. So I think there's another I- example of Draco's honor. He does have that uh, honor among thieves kind of honor. Earlier in the tavern, when the villagers were threatening Zena, it was Gabrielle who stepped in and said, "No, you can't kill her." So Gabrielle saved Zena. That put Zena in Gabrielle's debt. Now Zena owes her, and. I like that Gabrielle pulls that card out at the end, cause cause Zena's gonna go off and leave her, and Gabrielle says, "Hey, I saved your life," so Zena grudgingly pulls her up on her behind her on the on the horse, and and before right before they leave, Cyrene and Zena make a, a kind of peace. They later on in further episodes they really make peace and come to love each other again, uh, but this is the beginning of that. And Zena, as much as she wants to stay home, she realizes that she can't. This this world is no longer for her. I think she really realizes the, the joy of helping other people. So that's what she sets out to do, is to help other people and possibly redeem herself in the bargain. This first episode, um, it's not really one of my favorites, but it's not bad, actually, for a first episode. It introduces the characters, you get a sense of what Zena's like, how, you know, she's the, the cold and reserved and you know don't touch me don't love me don't anything she's you know and you get Gabrielle who's open and trusting and loving and friendly and so they're the complete antithesis of each other they they, they're they're black and white they're negatives of each other and so together they complete each other I think although they don't they don't know that yet but that's what's going to happen they both have parts that the other one needs and they're going to learn how to help each other get those parts the next episode was uh, Chariots of War. This one was uh, directed by Harley Koklis, and it was written by, I'm not sure, it said teleplay by and story by, so I'm just going to go with all four. Josh Becker, Jack Perry, Adam Armis, and Nora K. Foster. It first aired on September 11th of 1995, and the short synopsis of this one is that Xena goes off uh, to find a way to forge the, river i think i don't quite know but anyway she leaves gabrielle in this tavern she goes off she meets these villagers who are being attacked by a local warlord she steps in to help they don't want her help because they see her as you know a a, a warrior a war another warlord and they don't want her help she ends up helping him anyway and saves the day so that's the short version the long version is at the opening when uh, gabrielle is talking about trees and how trees do better in a forest and Zena said that she thought that the strongest trees stand alone I think that's the whole that's their whole outlook on things Gabrielle sees the forest and Zena sees the single trees and so I always thought that was interesting and also that Gabrielle tells Zena that it's good to be soft sometimes I think we'll see later on that Zena finally does start to take that to heart but at first she doesn't because is very hard I know when Xena rides off and leaves Gabrielle in his tavern, Gabrielle is really afraid that Xena is going to leave her. I think they, they still haven't built that trust yet. And Gabrielle is not completely sure that Xena is not just going to ride off and leave her somewhere. When Xena meets these villagers, they're being menaced by the local warlord's son and his men. Uh, these are villagers from Troy. They've come from Troy. They've come from war. And they've come to this place of peace. And all they want is to live their life in peace. And they've apparently made some kind of oath that's mentioned later about peace and about not having any kind of war or conflict whatsoever. There's this little boy that's, the, the, the whole barn structure almost falls down on him and Xena saves him and they're shooting arrows at him and she catches two arrows and then she gets shot in the stomach and then passes out. I think that's kind of strange, but... Oh well. When she wakes up, Darius is the the man her love interest for this episode. I like this is kind of the beginning of the boy toy of the week for uh Gabrielle, but Zena too. Um, she doesn't get as many boy toys as as Gabrielle does, but this is the beginning of them. So Darius is this good-looking man and he's got these three kids and he's he's taking off Zena's sword and her armor and Zena's trying to fight him and and she and he's like, oh, just lay back and hush. He ends up having to push that that arrow through Zena's torso, and oh, I always—I mean, I realize that it's TV, but yeah, I always thought that was icky. And then the poker, oh man, Zena just she's tough; she's way tough. The next thing you see is that that young warlord's kid. His name is Spherus and the warlord is Zagnus, I think is how you say it. And they are the keeper of Ares's. Ares' horses. But Ares doesn't let just anybody you have to prove it. So they're fighting. Zagnus and Spheris are fighting. And Zagnus is taunting him and telling him he's a coward. And then he doesn't have that killer instinct. And they mention some uh, a son, a brother of Spheris, that was killed. And how this son has so much more honor than this other son. You can tell that Spheris, he really wants to to be loved. He wants to shine in his father's eyes. But it's just... It's just not gonna happen because he's not that kind of guy. He's not the kind of guy that's gonna make his father proud, and that's that's just the way it is. Meanwhile, Zena's back at the house with this with Darius and uh, the three kids, and one of the local village leaders. He comes and tells Darius that Zena has to go because she's she's a warrior presence in their village, and she has to go. And at some point, one of the warlords comes by and sets their silo on fire, burns down their silo, which is, has all their food in it. And then later on, they, they are going to have peace talks and I don't know, how can you have peace talks with somebody who just burned down your food for the year? But anyway, so back at the, at the tavern where Gabrielle is, has been left behind, this really ugly guy is hitting on her and she's trying to tell him, it's, it's funny cause she's trying to put him off without hurting his feelings. And she's like, oh, my boyfriend over there, he's going to get jealous. And so she goes over and kisses this guy and says, pretend like you know me. Well, of course, the guy's going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, absolutely. Of course, we know that this guy is the warlord's son. But at this point, Gabrielle doesn't know that. And they start talking and she falls for him, which is going to be a pattern for her. She's going to fall for the boys that she meets right away. It's like this instantaneous thing. Later on, when she hooks back up with Zena, she says she thinks she's found her tree. It's like she's known the guy five minutes, and she's already like found my soulmate. Please, I don't know. I guess we were all that young at one point when we think everybody out there is meant for us. And even though he's the warlord's kid, we can—he'll still change. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Back over in the village with Darius and Zena, Darius is talking, and he—he he fought in the war. I'm assuming Troy the Trojan War, and you can tell that he really lost himself in that war. He, he saw things that he never wanted to see, and he just, he can't fight ever again. He can't ever be in that kind of a position again. And when he tells Zena that they've made this peace, uh, they're going to have this meeting about peace with the warlord, well, you know, Zena's like, yeah, whatever, that's certainly not going to work, but they just have to try, and that's what Darius says is that they have to try. Zena wants to go with them, And, you know, she's got on her warrior garb. And the guy's, Darius, he's like, well, okay, you can't wear that. That's not really going to look like peace. I think it was an excuse to get her in that blue dress. But that's just me. So she puts on this blue dress, and damn, does she look hot. And, um, of course, you know, she's Zena. She looks hot at anything. But anyway, and she tells uh, Darius that she's never worn anything like this, which I found kind of interesting. I mean, she lived in this village, and she never wore a pretty dress. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of sad. She should get to wear pretty dresses. <laughs> anyway, that's just my thing. Meanwhile, the the meeting is really a setup. Zagnus just set this up, and he tells Spirus to go on over there and kill everybody. Well, now they all get to the meeting, and they're all there, and and Spheris, he's trying to talk to him. Meanwhile, knowing that his warlord, the men, are outside, and they're going to come in and attack and kill all the villagers. Zena's kind of standing in the background, and she sees him. So she immediately uh, jumps out and starts fighting him. And one of the parts I love is when she te- they're all coming at her. And she's like, wait. She holds her hands up. And then she rips each side of the dress so she can maneuver her legs. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. So they fight. And, of course, Zena kicks ass because she always does. And then back at the village, we see Darius. And he's packing everything up fast and furious, throwing stuff in the bags. And Zena comes in. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I can't stay here now. There's war going on. And I must leave. Zena can't understand why. He's just going to run. Like you, her, in her mind you, you can't run from these people because then they'll just keep chasing you you have to stand up to them like bullies well, she talks him into staying but she still has to leave the village she, you know, the villagers don't want her there so she leaves and goes and finds Gabrielle meanwhile one of the this, the leader of the village that little meddlesome guy he goes and tells Zagnus that you know he, he begs for his life and tells him Zena's in town so uh, according to Zagnus xena is the one that killed his son so spheris is all upset when he hears this because now he realizes oh this is the woman who killed my brother and he's very upset and so he's like oh, i'll go kill her for you, father gabrielle and zena they're just minding their own business they're just walking along and all of a sudden this chariot starts coming after them so Zena puts gabrielle up on argo on the horse and uh and they start riding which is hilarious because gabrielle just cannot ride a horse and so uh, Gabrielle is the diversion. So she's riding along and the chariot's chasing and Zena goes and gets her own chariot and she's chasing. And so there's this whole big chariot chasing. So at one point they all end up falling out. And so they're all four on the ground. Zagnus so gets in hurt uh, Zena's face and she's like, you're the one that killed my son. And, and apparently it was at the Battle of Corinth. And Zena says, no, I didn't kill your son. His men killed him because he came to me wanting peace. And his men killed him course the father he doesn't believe that but the son does and the, the son and the father end up fighting and at one point the son throws down his sword and he's like i'm not gonna fight you anymore so when it, just when it looks like the father's gonna kill him xena whoops out that chakra and breaks the guy's sword you know the swords in xena are really wimpy i mean they just break off all the time i i, I always thought swords were harder than that but you know, what do i know i don't have a sword well Zena ends up having to kill Zagnus because, you know, that kind of guy, he's just not going to walk away and just leave everything be. That's the kind of guy that's either going to win or die. That's just the way he is. I thought it was kind of funny when Xena uh, realizes that this is the guy that Gabs was talking about. And she's like, this is the guy? And Gabrielle's like, well, yeah. Of course, at the time, she didn't realize that that was the warlord's kid. But, you know, he does have that sensitive side. And he really had pretty eyes, too. Then we have the sad goodbye between Darius and Zena, and, and the kids don't want Zena to go, and and uh, and that little girl speaks. And the whole thing has been that that little girl hasn't spoken since her mother died. And so she asks Zena not to go, but but Zena has to go because, you know, she can't stay. We wouldn't have a show if she stayed. But she tells Darius that she's, she's kind of learned more about family, and then when her and Gabrielle hook back up, she asks Gabrielle, Do you miss your family? And Gabrielle's like, yeah, sometimes. And I can see Gabrielle's like, well, hell, I haven't been gone that long. How would I miss them just yet? But yeah. But Gabrielle's like, yeah, sometimes, but I miss them less when I'm with you. Like, oh, that's so sweet. But anyway, that's the, that's kind of the beginning of their, you know, you still see that, that Gabrielle likes Zena a whole lot more than at least Zena shows, but that Zena's starting to realize that Gabrielle is in her corner. And so I think that the, the beginnings of the trust and the beginnings of the relationship are really starting to form. The next episode is one of my favorites. It's DreamWorker. It uh, debuted September 18th of 1995. It was written by Stephen L. Sears, who actually wrote a lot of the episodes that I like. Uh, he, he's one of the better writers, I think, for the show. And it was directed by Bruce Seth Green, who I actually thought it had a connection to Seth Green from Buffy, but, you know, turns out he doesn't. So, there you go. Just that similar name thing going on. Anyway, the episode opens with Gabrielle playing swords, and she's attacking a tree stump. And she's fighting it, and so Xena comes up, and is kind of like, what, what are you doing fighting with my sword? And Gabrielle begs her to please teach her how to fight. And Xena says, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to teach you how to fight with a sword. Once you have a weapon, you become a target. But she does tell her, I'll I'll tell you, you know, I'll tell you the the main, the secrets to fighting. And she says, number one, run. Uh, if you can't run, then you surrender and then run. She says, if you're outnumbered, you let them fight each other and you run. And the last one, and Gabrielle's like, Oh, another run. (laughs) But Zena's like, well, yeah, you talk your way out of it and then you run. I just think that's funny that the whole thing is all about running. But Zena tells her, uh, like as I said once you pick up the sword you're a target and then once you kill somebody you can't ever go back the basic uh, premise behind this whole episode is to establish Gabrielle's blood innocence that she's never killed anybody so while the girls are talking they get attacked by thieves and uh one of the, th- one of the things I like about Xena is that you have like the extras that come back and they keep playing different characters because again you know, there aren't that many actors in New Zealand I guess and so this, sword, this, uh, this, this thief, this thief I can't think of his name, but anyway, he comes back several times as another extra in Xena episodes. So anyway, they, he tries to take their money and their, and their, court, their valuables. And uh, boy, did they pick the wrong people to steal from. So they start fighting and there's a sword that gets thrown on the ground and Gabrielle picks it up and she's holding it in front of her. And then there's like three guys that are coming after her trying to get her. Because now suddenly she has the sword, so now she is uh, uh, a target. Zena jumps in and saves the day, and Gabrielle throws down the sword, and Zena ends up killing the leader. And then the other guys run off. Uh, meanwhile, there's these weird guys that are in the bushes, and they're like, oh, Morpheus will be very pleased. It's very strange, these, these guys. Although, you know, this, this actor, uh, I don't know his name, but he's got the greatest accent. I just love the way he talks. I guess it's not so much of an accent as it is just the way he talks. I don't know. It's very interesting. So Gabrielle is chagrined for having picked up the sword and she tells Zena that she's sorry. And so they go to this village. Kind of the people in the village are acting kind of funny looking at, at Gabrielle and they go into, uh, well, Gabrielle's going to go off and do something else and Zena's going to go and get, uh, something for her sword. So she goes in and this is the shopkeeper is he's acting very strange and asking all these uh, odd questions and uh just generally just behaving strangely and this blind guy comes in and the shopkeeper tells him oh you have to get out you're one of those freaky freaky uh, mystics and you have to leave and the blind guy his name is elkton elkton's like i'm an ex mystic i'm not with them anymore but anyway the shopkeeper ends up throwing him out all he wanted was to buy a halter but the shopkeeper says no so he throws him out of the store. So Xena ends up buying the halter for him, because the shopkeeper was so rude and wouldn't sell it to him. Meanwhile, Gabrielle is over at the uh, the armory where they sell swords. So it's really funny because she goes in, and she's completely has she has no idea. She's completely out of her element. She has no idea what she what to buy or what to get. But she's not wanting the guy to know that. And he to ask her, well, "Aren't you afraid?" What he's talking about is something completely different. Uh, he's talking about um, about being in the village because apparently they send off all their young reed virgin girls into you know the woods and away from the mystics because that they come down and they take a girl. But Gabrielle thinks he's talking about her fighting prowess and she's like, oh yes, I'm very experienced. And he's like, well, okay then. Anyway, he, he gives her this one sword and she can't, it's too heavy, she almost drops it. And then he goes over and he gets this little bitty dagger and it's the breast dagger. And she's like, oh, how cute. And it's just so funny because she just completely melts. And is like, oh, how cute. So it's the breast dagger. And so she ends up buying the breast dagger. So she goes out to meet up Zena at the horse. And she's got, like, this, the Gabrielle strut. Um, she's got her shoulders back and her chest forward. And she's just strutting along. And Zena's like, what are you doing? And it was just a really funny scene. And so, anyway, she, Gabrielle, um, squeals and jumps and then the the breast dagger falls out of her dress <laughs> so yeah G- zena takes it and puts it in her breast and gabriel makes some comment about her breast being deadly enough anyway and i don't know it's funny while they're standing there um these guys come up they got these ram's horn looking helmets on thing and anyway they start fighting and zena of course kicks their ass but then when she turns around gabrielle has gone and they've taken her Zena goes back in and gets the shopkeeper to tell her, where did you take, where did they take Gabrielle? And, of course, the shopkeeper first is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But then, uh, you kind of convinces him that he needs to tell her what's going on. And so he does, He says that the mystics up at the temple who worship Morpheus have taken Gabrielle and that every solstice, they take a virgin to be Morpheus's bride, uh, which means sacrifice, basically. Meanwhile, Gabrielle is up at the temple and they've got her all decked out in this really pretty dress and And the, the manis, the head mystic, is telling her that she must prove herself worthy to be Morpheus' bride. And of course, Gabrielle's doing that talking thing, trying to talk her way out of it and saying, oh, she's much too lazy to be a bride. She sleeps too late. She doesn't like Hell's work. Oh, it was funny. Well, the the manis, the mystic guy, tells Gabrielle that there's all these tasks that she uh must pass these trials that she must pass and it's a fight to the death well Xena goes to that blind guy Elkton the ex-mystic to find out what's going on and he tells her that uh, the the mystics have taken Gabrielle up to their fortress and there's no way that that uh, Xena can get through surrounded by guards and it would take her months and then he feels her arm and he says days to get past <laughs> to get past more the the guards at the temple so the mystic the ex mystic tells Xena that there's only one way that she can defeat Morpheus at this point and that is in the dream world. So he gives Xena this potion that will uh, help will put her into the dream world, but it separates her soul from her body. So if she's gone too long, her body will die. What he's doing is some kind of sprinkling some kind of water on her that will hopefully keep her body alive longer, but she has to hurry. When Xena appears in her in the dream world, it's interesting. It's like this tunnel with that, uh, you know, like orange construction netting up on each side. Only it's not orange, it's black, but that's exactly what it looks like is construction netting. <laughs> anyway, so Xena appears in this dream world, and there's all these soldier guys that are chanting, Xena, Xena. And they're telling her that, you know, the army's ready and that she'll never change who she is, that she can't change, it. she's always going to be the warrior. Xena says, no, that's not who I am anymore, and she manages to get away from him. And then she comes across this village, and there's this woman crying in the background, and it's an, obviously a kind of a, a burned-out village. And this man comes out, and he says, "Well, you know, you killed me, and don't you want to know my name?" And Zena says, at the same time, she says, "I'm sorry." And he's like, "Well, what? Sorry to know my name?" I don't know. I thought I kind of thought that was interesting in the fact that I mean, yeah, there are so many people that have died because of Zena and her army, and I, I wonder if she does know their names. Or not, because you know Zena does carry a lot of this guilt with her, so I wouldn't be surprised if she did know most of their names. Well, at least of the ones that she's personally killed. Anyway, all these other villagers start coming out, all these people, and they're saying their names, and these are the people that Zena has, has killed. And they're all kind of surrounding her and crowding her, and she's saying, you know, get away from me, and and uh um, I thought that was interesting when they said, we're not the ones crowding you, you know, which gosh that is so true it's like you just have all your crap around you and you feel like it's the one crowding you but that's not what it is so that's kind of where Zena was having all this guilt bearing down on her and one of the guys gives her a sword and says well you you have to kill us again and Zena uh, won't do it and she ends up breaking the sword and then everybody disappears so that she passed that test meanwhile somehow manis has figured out the head priest has figured out that Zena has entered the dream world, and so he dispatches some of his men to go find Xena's body, and he figures rightly enough that Zena's body is with that ex-mystic Elton, so off they go to find and kill Xena, and now it's time for Gabrielle's first uh, trial, so Manus gives her a sword and tells her that there's going to be two men in there that are trying to kill her, and that she has to make it to the end and uh, kill or be killed, basically, so she enters this this uh silky little room thing with her sword held high and she's going through this little tunnel that's made by these silk or not silk these you know wispy linen things that are on each side and uh she can see that there's two men that are chasing her or, you know stalking her on each side and then Zena's words come back to her if you're outnumbered, get them to fight each other and then run so Gabrielle sets it up to where they're both one on each side of her and then she coughs, and they jump in, and they end up stabbing each other. So, ah, Gabrielle uh, makes it through the trial without having to actually kill anybody. Manus is not happy at all that Gabrielle has figured out how to get out of this without actually killing anybody, and he throws her in, in, in her cell. Well, then Gabrielle falls asleep, and while she's dreaming, uh, she meets up with Zena. Actually, we see Zena kind of run in, and Gabrielle is plucking uh, or something, and she's saying, you know, sacrifice me not, sacrifice me, sacrifice me not. It's really kind of funny. So, Zena is not, it says, you know, you're not real. And Gabrielle's like, well, this is my dream. Everything else here is not real except me. So Zena says, tell me something that I don't know. And Gabrielle's a little confused. And, and Zena says, well, Morpheus would know what I know. So tell me something about you that I don't know. And so Gabrielle says, I had six toes on my right foot when I was born. <laughs> Which I just think is so Gabrielle and then Zena looks at her foot and Gabrielle hides it under her dress and like don't look it's not there anymore I just think that's hilarious because that is so Gabrielle I mean what else would she say that's just funny well that convinces Zena because she's like only you would think of something that weird so then she tells her Morpheus' plan that the whole thing has been formulated so that Gabrielle would lose her blood innocence and she would kill somebody Zena tells her to use her strengths and Gabrielle ends up disappearing before Xena can say, talking, talking your way out of it. Your mind, you're smart. That's what you use. But Gabrielle does eventually figure that out on her own. Well, then the second challenge comes up. The priest comes and wakes her up and takes her to the second challenge. And she, she goes into this room and it's, and it's like this circle of stones that are surrounding a pit with a fire in it. And I swear that looks so familiar. There's some other episode and I don't know what it is, but there's that same set that's that's in that episode. And, of course, I guess we'll get to that later. But, anyway, so there's these three guys that are attacking Gabrielle. So this is when she figures out, oh, I'll use my my smarts. And so she says, hang on, on. I can't take all three of you on at the same time, so we'll do it this way. Well, the best one of you will go first, and then the second best, and then the easy pickings. And so they kind of they end up fighting over who's the best. It's two guys are fighting, and Gabrielle turns to the other one and says, well, now, we know where they value you. (laughs) It was funny. One guy beats the other, so now there's two. And then the other guy ends up killing the other guy. So now there's just one. And um, this one dude had thrown this this blade, and uh, it stuck in the wall. And then for some reason it came exploding out from the steam or something, and that's what kills the third guy. So yet again, Gabrielle gets out of the situation without having to kill anybody and lose her blood innocence. Well, now Manus is really pissed, the priest. He throws her back in her room. Meanwhile, Xena is still going through her little dream world, and she faces more dead, including the very first person that she kills. And then we see in this part that this is the guy, the warlord, that was attacking Amphipolis. And this was the very first person that Xena ever killed. And then the thief from the beginning of the episode, he pops up, and he's the last person that Xena's killed. And they're telling her that Gabrielle's going to kill, and then she's (laughs) going to become just like Xena. And she's going to be, you know, filled with hate and rage and whatever. Well, Xena doesn't buy that. Zena knows that Gabrielle has a purer heart than she did, I guess, when she was younger. And she ends up, she looks like, uh, you know, she makes this funny face and she's straining. And then these guys disappear. That, like, weakens her some. And then just when Zena thinks she's done, she runs up and, ooh, there's the door. And she's almost there. And she's screaming, Gabrielle, I'm almost there. And then this voice from the shadows speaks to her. And then it turns out this is the old Xena. And this is the first time we see that black eye thing, which I remember hearing from some of the actors that those were these big, thick, black contacts that went into their eyes that were extremely uncomfortable. But this is the first time we see that, that big black eye thing. So the old Xena is telling her how good everything used to be. Remember how everything used to feel so good and life was great and we got whatever we wanted and... She's saying, you know, there's no glory in being a hero. She tells the new Xena that, that she'll always be in her and she can never get rid of her. And so they end up fighting. Well, then it flashes back over to Gabrielle and she's in her third trial. And they got her standing in front of this, this like sword thing. It's like these swords that are not swords, um, points, pointed stakes that are sticking out and they're forcing her along it's this funny looking triangle little mechanism i know it's kind of funny looking but this one guy is cranking it and it's pushing gabrielle forward and there's a sword in front of her and then there's this dude standing at the other end who's whooping a sword and Manus is telling her pick up the sword pick up the sword and kill him because as soon as you're within reach he's going to kill you and gabrielle's not at all sure what to do here then it goes back over to the two Zenas fighting and the old xena is saying that she gives this new xena her best qualities the old Xena will always be a part of this new Xena. And that's kind of when Zena gets it, that, that this old Xena, her old self, is the key, that she's never going to be able to get rid of who she used to be. But it's because of who she used to be that she is the person she is today. And so, I mean, actually, you know, some of the things that made Zena the vicious warlord that she was were actually, you know, good qualities when used for good. <laughs> Well, anyway, when Zena figures this out, she spins the old Zena around and throws her up against the door, and the door busts, and then just as the, uh, as, as Manus's, the priest's guys had found Zena's body, in they're just fixing to kill her, she disappears, the body disappears, and Zena appears whole, in uh, right where Gabrielle's at. Well, then there's a big fight, and of course, Zena kicks ass, because that's what Zena always does, and she, uh... She whoops out that breast dagger and kills this guy. And so she saves the day, saves Gabrielle. And then Gabrielle is standing there talking to Manus, the priest. And he says something cocky and, and Gabrielle hauls off and just decks the crap out of him. It was great. It's like, woohoo, way to go, Gabs. And Zena was impressed too, which I thought was pretty cool. Zena didn't think Gabriella had it in her. So the next thing we see is, is Elkton is, is, uh, they're, they're all back in the shop where the shopkeeper was and Elkton has returned as the head of the mystics and he's gonna make them, uh, you know, peaceful again. He, so they've put Manus off in his own dream world to conquer his, his, his own demons and, and, uh, Elkton tells Zena if she ever needs anything, she knows where to come. Well, then she finds Gabrielle sitting out on the stone by the, out on this rock by the pond, and Gabrielle's really upset because she realizes that she certainly was capable of killing somebody. And Zena says, "Well, yeah, we're all capable. We just don't all do it." And um, I think it, it just really scared Gabrielle that she that she didn't ever realize that that was in her, that she could actually kill somebody. Well, Zena picks up this rock and throws it out of the pond. Oh, well, first she says, see how calm the pond is. That was me. And then she throws the rock and the pond's all churned up. And she says, that's what I became. And Gabrielle says, well, the the pond will go back to being calm again. You'll go back to being calm. And Zena says, well, that's true. But the stone will always be under there. It is forever changed. And Gabrielle's like, yeah, that's true. And so I think the whole point is, is that, is that, you know, you, you just can't ever change who you are. That's just who you are, but it's because of who you are, that who you used to be, that you are the person you are today. So anyway, I really love this epi- episode. I thought this was one of the one of the better ones of the first season, and I, I don't know. It was just it was just really clever. I liked it. I thought it was good, and I like the whole development of the relationship in this one between Zena and Gabrielle. It's like uh, it, it's the first time that Zena well, I guess it's the first time that Gabrielle's kidnapped, but it's the first time that Zena really is concerned that Gabrielle's missing. It's like oh no, somebody took took gabrielle and that that uh, protective instinct kicks in and she's going to save gabrielle and also gabrielle actually starts to listen to Zena and to trust her but she also starts to trust herself so i like uh, the, the character development in this episode is great between the two act with two characters but also within themselves they're both learning as they're going well the next episode cradle of hope uh was written by terrence winter it was directed by Michael Levine, and it aired on September 25th, 1995. This one's not one of my favorite episodes, but you know it's okay. We all got to have those in there, and and uh, basically this is the one where it's kind of the Moses story. There's a uh, a, a uh, an oracle that says that tells the king that there's a baby that was just born that's going to take over his crown, and the king of course thinks that that means the baby's going to grow up and kill him. So there's the big, uh, so there's gonna be the big search to find the baby, and somebody puts the baby in the basket and floats the basket down, and, uh, Zena and Gabrielle find it. And I, I like at the beginning of this episode, King Gregor is his name, and, and, uh, the Oracle is sitting there talking to him, and King Gregor's advisor is Nemos. And, uh, I don't know, it's just right from the beginning, beginning of the episode, you just know that Nemos is just up to no good. He's just, he's not all that he seems. Well, so the Oracle says that there's gonna be a baby born, uh, or th- there was a baby born, in the in the kingdom that's going to take over the king's throne. So they go hunting for the child. Well, meanwhile, there was a child born to one of the servants in the castle, but the woman died in childbirth. And so there's somebody else taking care of the baby. Well, and they put the baby in the basket and float the basket down to save it. Uh, we also learn that King Gregor has lost his son in childbirth not too many months before, and his wife died as well. So... He's had this double loss, and so he's still kind of reeling, and I think Nemos really takes advantage of that. Well, Gabrielle and Zena, it's like uh, Zena's awake, and she goes over and, to wake up Gabrielle, and I know, uh, uh, you know, I just don't know how anybody ever slept on the ground like that. Um, you know, without my posturpedic, I'm just uh, useless. <laughs> so, anyway, Gabrielle hears this noise, and she thinks it's a cat, but they go over and they find the baby in the basket. And, oh, Gabrielle, so funny, because she's just instantly, this whole maternal instinct kicks in, whereas Zena's like, ooh, yeah, make it stop. Make, what are you, not holding it right? Make it quit. I just thought that was hilarious. Well, so Gabrielle starts calling him Gabriel. So they're going to take it to the nearest village to find out who it belongs to. And as they're walking down the road, they come across this mob that has this woman who's sitting on horseback with her hands tied behind her back and a noose around her neck pretty obvious what they're fixing to do. And again, Zena tries to stop them at first. They go ahead and they knock the the uh, horse out from under the woman. So she's hanging there and again, Zena throws the chakram and saves the day. Um, what I think is funny is the leader of this group is the same guy who was in Liar, Liar, Hearts of Fire. He was the dude that could not sing and he's begging everybody else to let him be in their band. And so anyway, this is the same actor. Well, anyway, Xena you know, flips him, gets 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 him with her whip and around the neck, and she's holding him up. So they save the woman. Well, come to find out, this is Pandora, and not, not the Pandora, but Pandora's granddaughter. The original Pandora was the one that opened the box and let out all of man's desires, and it was only able to save hope. So hope was the only one of man's desires that's not fleeting. I always kind of thought Pandora got a bad rap. You know, I mean maybe somebody bumped her and she dropped it who knows i don't know i think in mythology a lot of the women get the short end of the stick well anyway so now Zena uh, and gabrielle have saved the woman and they're going to take her and you know help her and uh, gabrielle picks up her bag and it's apparently really heavy well then a storm hits and so they go to these caves to uh, hide from the storm and gabrielle accidentally drops something out of the bag and it's this box with this like handprint in the center of it and Pandora freaks out. Oh my God, the box! And you know, of course, it turns out it's okay. But that's when they find out who she is. That she's Pandora. And then she explains to them that she's tied to this box. That this box is her whole life. Well, after the storm, the three, well, three plus baby, they go to this tavern. And the shopkeeper, or the tavern keeper, he sends his boy off to find Nemo's because he realizes what's going on. And then Nemo's arrives in all his bluster, and he wants the baby. Now, this is the first time we get to see Zena spit fire, and I just love this. And Lucy Lawless really did this. This was not just a stunt double. She actually did that, and I think that's just so cool. Well, so then a fight ensues, and Zena kicks ass, as she always does, but Nemos manages to get away with the box. So Zena puts the pinch on the shopkeeper, or the tavern keeper, to find out everything that's been going on, and he tells her. Nemos takes that box to the king and he manages to manipulate the king into killing the child. He 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 makes him believe that the only way to be safe is to kill the child. So now they each have something that the other wants. Now they're, they're going to meet with the king. And you can see Pandora is like having box withdrawal. She's just been sitting there staring at the fire. And um, back in the cave during the storm, Zena had purposely made uh gabrielle give pandora the baby and at first pandora was like oh i don't know i don't know how to hold the baby and then she doesn't let that kid go for the whole rest of the episode pretty much and uh she really starts to fall in love with the kid so she's sitting there just kind of staring at the fire and she's having box withdrawal and she says that if she doesn't reset the lock she has to reset the lock on a regular basis um then it it will open and hope will escape well is it king uh the king and nemos they go to the tavern and Xena's uh, and there, and so they have this whole talk. And, you know, the king is a lot more reasonable than Nemo's. Nemo's is just, you know, give us the baby. and So, anyway, the king finally gives her 24 hours to give up the baby, and he'll give her the box. When Xena uh, gets back to where Gabrielle and Pandora and the baby are, there's this other woman there, Ophelia, and she's one of the servants. And she has come, and she's filling them in on what's going on. And actually, she's going to prove to be the way into the castle, because there's going to be a party later on. It's uh, some celebration. And there's women that come in, and they dance, and Nemos picks one and takes her back to his quarters. And turns out that Ophelia is one of those dancers, so Xena takes her place. Oh And Ophelia also tells her that Nemos has the box, and so that's why she's wanting to get in to see Nemos. Well, then they show that they go to the castle, and they're having their little feast, and and uh why is it that whenever they have the men all sit at the table they 're just pigs I don't know, throwing food around at each other i don't uh, know they 're just pigs, and so anyway um so then these women come in and they 're all dancing, and Zena 's in that hot little harem number, which I swear is the same costume she wears uh later on in um uh, I think it 's Royal couple of Thieves with um Autolycus when he plays the master and she plays uh jasmine, I think it is. Anyway, I swear I think that's the same costume. So uh, anyway, so Zena dances, and of course, Nemos picks her, because, you know, who wouldn't? Well, just when Zena thinks she's going to get the box, because Nemos is looking away, uh, the king shows up, and he's like, oh, I think I'll take this. So Zena ends up going on to uh, Nemos' room, and he thinks they're going to get a little hot and heavy, but she ends up knocking him out. She goes into where the king is. And she sees that he's kneeling in front of this cradle, and he's saying, oh, I miss you, my son, and all this. And it's really pitiful, because when they show the cradle, it's got all these cobwebs in it, and it's like, oh, now that that's just sad. Well, she ends up knocking out the king. Meanwhile, Nemos has woken up, and he's on her trail, and he runs in there, and Xena's standing there with the box, and he's like, oh, I've got you now. And she ends up jumping out the window and she's tied something to her feet. And so she does this sort of bungee thing out the, out the window. That's just so Xena. And, uh, and then she runs through the village. And I thought this was hilarious because she's having to like knock people over and run up the wagon and roll over tables. It's just, it's just so funny because it's like, okay, only in Xena. But meanwhile, Gabrielle and Pandora have been okay they're going through the village and it's obvious that pandora has a baby because she's holding this bundle that uh, looks just like a baby and there's all the villagers that are freaking out there because there's a thousand dinar reward so they're all accusing each other and but you know gabrielle and pandora who's obviously carrying a baby walk unmolested through the middle of the village okay whatever well anyway, so the baby is crying and pandora starts singing to him and it's at this point that you go, oh, okay, see, Pandora is just completely in love with this baby. Well, since Zena has the box, and uh, she meets up with, after twisting and turning and flipping her way through the village, she meets up with Pandora and Gabrielle, and Pandora finally gets to reset the box, and so she gets her box fix. So she's feeling a little better. And then she tells, she's like, oh, give me the baby, and she's like, I have a, a plan. And she takes the baby up and puts it in the cradle. So when the king wakes up the next morning, there's this baby who's crying in this cradle and he he can't figure out what the heck. And Zena's there and and uh, she says, this is what the prophecy meant. He's not going to take your throne as your conqueror. He's going to take your throne as your heir. He is a baby in need of a father and you are a father in need of a baby. So there you go. She helps everybody. Then Nemo's comes in and he freaks out because, you know, that's just not at all the way he thought things should go. And so Gabrielle, I mean, uh, uh Zena, takes the baby from the king and runs off. And then we have the big baby fight. And I don't know, this is one of the reasons why I don't like this episode. But, you know, that's just me. They're like, throw the baby, fight, 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 catch the baby. Throw the baby, fight, 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 catch the baby. I don't know. I just thought it was just just a little too much. Well, even holding a baby and throwing a baby, Xena still kicks ass because that's what she does. Well, then Nemos runs down and they fight and Xena ends up killing him, of course. I mean, you just knew Nemos had to die because you just knew he had to. Next thing you know, the king has decided to keep the baby and he's going to let Pandora stay there. And, you know, this way her box can be kept safely in this vault and she can set, reset the lock every day. But she doesn't have to wander and she has a home and the baby has a mother. And, you know, all is right with the world. Everything is working out. And then the king in Pandora asks Zena if there's not anything they can do. And she says, just name the baby Gabriel, which I thought was really cool because that's, I don't know. At this point, you really see that Zena is really starting to care for Gabriel. There's really some feelings starting to come up there. Well, anyway, she finds Gabrielle in the vault, like staring at the box. And she's just like, wow, all of our desire, the man's desires and everything was in there, and Pandora's been carrying this around, and I don't know, she's just like in awe of this thing, and as they turn to leave, Gabrielle knocks, knocks on the box and knocks it over, and it opens, and it's empty. And, uh, and Zena says, well, the box was empty. Well, it's been Pandora that's been carrying the hope, and so. I don't know. I thought that was kind of hokey. I eh, know that's just me. Well, anyway, so this this episode, not, like I say, not one of my favorites, but it does uh, give more character development to the two characters. It's got Xena, who is is really trying to do right, and she, you know, this is one of those episodes where you see how she can judge people pretty quickly and be pretty right on as to what kind of people they are. Um, meanwhile, I don't know Gabrielle. She's She's um she's still the innocent and she just believes in, in the good and everybody and you know that's one of the great things about Gabrielle. So that's gonna wrap up this part of or this podcast. Um, I could say it's you know I could just go on and on about Zena. So we have to cut this down, <laughs> you know, because although you know it's funny, um I'm not nearly as big of a fan as other people I know. Me and my partner Rhonda, we went to Dallas a few years ago. To a convention, and it was just a uh, Texas convention of, and and there was people there uh, that I mean, you know, if, if I had the money, I would be just as big of a of a collector. But I just don't have any money, so you know. But there were people there that owned all the costumes and all the the props and all the cards and all that, you know, which I thought was great. But Rhonda always thought I was like a total complete weirdo because you know I was so into Zena. And then she realized that I was just the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) There was people out there who were way bigger fans than me. So anyway, I I really hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I've enjoyed doing it. And um, like I say, this is just one of many. And I will certainly get better as we go along. I'm still learning this whole process. And uh, meanwhile, stick around for the complete version of If I Could Be Like Xena. It's a great song. Like I say, Marilyn Rucker, MarilynRucker.com and uh, go to my website xenacast.com for links to the things I've mentioned and to leave any comments or feedback you might have and I hope you have enjoyed this as much as I have enjoyed doing it and I'm um, going to try to do this at least every two weeks maybe maybe sooner but at least every two weeks so thanks for joining me and battle on